0: Hello, I'm Elizabeth Talbot, and thank you so much for joining us for this ongoing series of Women of the Bible. We are doing this week struggling women. Last week we did unnamed women, women that we don't know their names, we just know their circumstances and how Jesus reached out to them. But this week we're doing struggling women. It, this is a fact of life, not just for women and also for men, that we struggle and we wonder if, if God is with us, if God can help us in the things we're, with the things we're going through. And we're going to study the first one, uh, who is a woman that was unloved and spent all of her life trying to gain her husband's love. Uh, her name is Leah, and you're probably very familiar with her story. The truth is many of us have done the craziest things to be loved and I include I include myself you know for many years I studied this in psychology The type of things we do when when our behavior is shame based and we're trying to call attention or to have somebody love us or somebody. And did you know that all addictions like like food and alcohol and sexual addictions and drug addiction and perfectionism addiction and religiosity, which is an addiction to rules and regulations and procrastination and all kinds of obsessive compulsive behaviors come from a place of shame. The difference between shame and guilt is that guilt is when you feel bad about something you've done. Shame is when you feel bad about who you are. So you pick up all kinds of ongoing compulsive behaviors to try to somehow tell people or show people or tell yourself that you are worth something. And so they become your drug when you're not feeling um, like you are worth anything. And I think many of us have several compulsive behaviors. Some people mask it very well by being workaholics, you know, and everybody's applauding because they're workaholics. But the truth is they're struggling with something. They need to show something. They need to show that they're worth loving or they're worth something. Well, many of us, and, and you know, there was a time in my life that I had to look at all these things very closely And eventually, I went and got a master's degree in in psychology to try to understand others and to understand myself. And in some of the things that we do, sometimes we're overachievers. Sometimes uh, people get depressions that are compulsive. They're not clinical. They're just they're drug. Well, Leah was a woman who we are told that she was unloved. And the story starts in Genesis chapter 29, with this man whose name was Laban and had two daughters. Now, the Hebrew is, is, is a little weird on the names because now we're very used to the name Leah and Rachel because they're very nice names. But, but in Hebrew, they had an additional meaning to the ones that they have in, in English or Spanish, depending of, of where you come from. The, the name uh, we're told in verse 16 of chapter 29 of Genesis of the older one was Leah, which meant cow. And the name of the younger one was Rachel, which meant sheep, like a little sheep, like a ewe. And you say, well, what kind of men names their daughters cow and sheep? Well, what happened is the names had uh, a lot of meaning at that time. And the two greatest treasures that Laban had were his cows and his sheep. So when he had two daughters, one was named cow, the other one was named sheep. And so... We are told that these two girls, one was more beautiful than the other. As a matter of fact, uh, verse 17 says that Leah's eyes were, and we don't really know what the Hebrew word says. So some versions say they were delicate. Some said that it was beautiful. Some say that her eyes were weak. All we know is that there was something with Leah's eyes, but Rachel was beautiful completely, a form and face. And immediately we are told in verse 18, Jacob loved Rachel. Now you know what Laban did and how he made Jacob uh, work for seven years to to get the one he loved, Rachel. But instead, he got Leah, and so um, uh, Laban said, "Oh, you wanted Rachel? Then you have to work for another seven years." So he gave uh, him also Rachel, but made him work for another seven years after that. So the just the position, the contrast between these two sisters is very striking. Verse eighteen says Rachel was loved, and verse thirty says. That uh, Jacob loved her, and verse 31 says that Leah was unloved. So if you take the Hebrew, it's the exact opposite. Some of our versions in English simply say she was loved or she was hated, et cetera, et cetera. But the Hebrew says Rachel was loved and Leah was unloved. Exactly the opposite. So we embark in this journey with Leah, looking for worth, looking to be loved. And it's, it's actually very, very sad. I mean, you can almost imagine because this was something that he was tricked into, right? But now he's stuck with two wives and, and Leah is stuck, too, because she doesn't really have a say-so. Imagine the first night when they're married. You know, Jacob thinks he has married Rachel and, and you are being called Rachel all night long in the first night of, of your wedding. And in the morning you go... Oh, no, it wasn't Rachel, it was Leah. Um, but I want to know how Leah felt about this, not just how Jacob felt about it. We know because the Bible tells us how he felt about it. Can you imagine how Leah felt about it? So from now on, she will start doing things and and try to gain and earn her husband's love. So that's why we're doing her first as the struggling Woman, number one in the Bible. There were many people that struggled, but she, her case is so amazing. And so we start on verse 31. There was something she had that Rachel did not have, and she could bear children. Verse 31 of Genesis 29. Now the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, and he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bore a son, and named him Reuben. Now, if you have a, a, a pen or paper or something, start writing this down because the names that she gives them shows what stage of her life she is in. And the first stage, we're going to call it her achievements. She's going to try to achieve by having children and earn her husband's love. So here we have... Uh, the name Reuben. And Reuben means see, a son, or behold, a son. And so we're going to read on verse 32. Leah conceived and bore a son and named him Reuben. For she said, because the Lord has seen my affliction, surely now my husband will love me. This is in the Bible. I'm not making this up, so I hope you have a Bible close by. Then she conceived again on verse 33 and bore a son and said, because the Lord has heard that I am unloved. And she called, she named him Simeon, which means the one who hears. God has heard that I am unloved. But the third one is the one that breaks my heart. I mean, how many things do we try to achieve so that people will love us? I mean, I went through a stage like that, and maybe you went through a stage like that, where you say, well, if I achieve enough, or if I do this enough, or if I dress like this, or if I wear this perfume, I mean, you can go crazy trying to please everybody, or at least please the ones that you would like them to love you. And so the third son, she conceived again, but verse 34. And she said, now this time, this is the third son. Now this time my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. And she named him Levi, which means attached. Finally, he's going to love me. I have achieved three sons. Look at my achievements. Son after son after son. He has to love me at some point, but he didn't love her. So in verse 35, we're told in the fourth son, something changed. She conceived again and bore a son and said, this time I will just praise the Lord. I'm just sick and tired of trying to please everybody and achieving things so somebody will love me. On this one, I will just praise the Lord. And she named him Judah, which means praise. At some point you realize that what you're doing, you know, you you heard about it, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. It's called insanity. And I think most of us have fallen into that every once in a while. And so she has tried. And on the fourth one, prophetically, she says, on this one, I'm just going to praise the Lord. And she named the fourth one Judah. Well, the, the problem with trying to get your worth out of um, your accomplishments is that somebody will come that will have a little more accomplishments than you, a little more a better grade or another PhD or better looking or thinner or fatter or whatever your problem may be, there will come somebody that looks better, that does a little more, that is loved a little more. And then you lose your worth all over again. And this is what happened to Leah because Rachel came up with a plan. She said, well, I can't have children, but I have a servant. And she can have children. So, chapter 30 of Genesis, verse 3, she said, Here's my maid, Billa, she says to Jacob. Go into her that she may bear on my knees, that through her I too may have children. So, she gave it maid, Billa, and as his wife. And Jacob said, Okay. See, it's so funny because in this chapter, Jacob goes, Okay, 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 to whatever all the women are saying. Poor Jacob has become quite weak in his principles here. So, here we have Now, Rachel's servant, who starts having children. And of course, Leah, who had put all her worth in her children. Now she says, what am I going to do? So she goes to a second stage in her life. She says, oh, I have an idea, too. Verse 9 of chapter 30. When Leah saw that she had stopped bearing, she took her maid, Zilpah, and gave to Jacob as a wife. And Jacob said, "Okay." So Leah's maid, Zilpah, bore Jacob a son. And now Leah Names them different. How fortunate, she says, and she names him Gad, which means fortunate. And the second son, through the through her servant, the Leah said, "Happy am I, for women will call me happy." So she named him Asher, which means happy. Or for or or, or uh, fortunate or in some way acclaimed happy. See now she's going to go to what I call the acclamation or the applause. It's the second stage where you say, okay, I'm not happy, but at least people know are going to think I'm happy. So you live a life through what people will say. If they will applaud you, if they will, if they will say, wow, look, she has it all together. And so she's starting to say, the women are going to call me happy, and you know this. I mean. Many of us have done this. You know, we show that everything is perfect when everything is not, so that people at least will think we're perfect or everything's working out great. But it didn't work out great for her. So verse 14 says, In the days of the wheat harvest, Reuben went on and found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother, Leah. Now, mandrakes were a beautifully beautiful flowers, but they also smelled very nice. But they were believed to be Aphrodisiacs for for that um, uh, society, and they were believed that if you ate the root or had a tea of the root, um, you could become pregnant. So Rachel sees the mandrakes and she says immediately to her, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. And verse 15, Leah says to her, here you can see all that has been going on with the sisters. She said to her, is it a small matter for you that you take my husband? Now you would take my son's mandrakes also? So Rachel makes a deal with her. She says, he may lie with you. Talking about Jacob, who is the husband for both of them. He may lie with you tonight in return for your son's mandrakes. So Leah that has gone through the achievements and the acclamation and the applause now goes to the third one, the authority. You know, when you you say, okay, if I couldn't get it this way, I'm going to get authority and I'm going to hire my husband to sleep with me. So here we have one of the craziest stories ever. And so she runs to Jacob because she has bought Jacob for the night with the mandrakes. Verse 16, when Jacob came into from the fields in the evening, Leah went out to meet him. She, she didn't went in the house. She went out to meet him. And she says, you must come into me. For I have surely hired you. I'm reading from the Bible. I'm not making this up. You must come in to me, for I have surely hired you with my son's mandrakes. And Jacob said, okay. So he lay with her that night. And Leah, after all these years conceived, and named the son Ishakar, which means hired. This poor woman spent all her life looking for significance. Now I'm going to tell you a secret. When Jesus comes, I want to be next to Leah in Resurrection Morning, because Revelation chapter 5 says that one of the names that Jesus will be called is the Lion of Judah. And I want to see Leah's face when she hears, Lion of Judah, Lion of Judah. And she's going to say, oh, I remember Judah. I had a son named Judah. And I want to be the one to tell her, yes, yes. And the Messiah is a descendant of Judah because heaven had chosen you to be the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus. And you never knew your worth because your worth has to do with your relationship with the Messiah, with Jesus. I hope this never happens to you because you have such worth in God's eyes. Because your worth comes from God's view of you. And you can know what that is at the foot of the cross. Thank you for joining us today on Jesus 101. For more insights and resources, connect with us at Jesus101.tv. That's Jesus101.tv. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Jesus101institute and follow us on Twitter at Jesus101media. Until next time, live free.